Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And here it is as we flip the calendar to the month of September, a September 1st edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. 44 days until the season starts, just 27 days until the NHL preseason starts for the Flyers. That will happen just around the corner, less than four weeks right now, and we will be watching hockey, albeit preseason hockey. Regular season hockey is on the way as well, just six weeks from a couple of days from now. Uh, in this episode, we've got a lot to get to. Derek Broussard is going to join us momentarily. Bill Meltzer is going to join us to talk about development camp and more. And we're going to hear from a new flyer addition this year to the management team. Mike O'Connell, who was a, a member of the Los Angeles Kings staff uh, under Dean Lombardi, just left the Kings last year, joined the Philadelphia Flyers. He'll explain why. He is now the senior advisor to the general manager and player development. And he's a guy with NHL general manager experience, been in the game a long time, and a very valuable asset to the Philadelphia Flyers. One of the things that Chuck Fletcher did this offseason, of many, was also bolster the behind-the-scenes staff, the hockey operations staff, the training staff, the medical staff, all of those areas, uh, video, analytics, they're all upgraded. So it's not just what we're going to see on the ice. There's upgrades all over the organization and changes that were made this summer. And Mike O'Connell is a part of that as well. So we'll hear from him and his media availability. But one of the signings last week was Derek Broussard uh, to come in and be another veteran uh, depth player for the Philadelphia Flyers. Could be your 3C right out of camp. We talked to Chuck Fletcher about that in Monday's episode. If you missed that, go back and check it out. But Derek Broussard joins us right now on this episode of Flyers Daily. Derek, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. How's your summer been, man? Summer's been good. Uh, it's been nice to be home. Uh, you know, after especially the the year and a half of COVID and everything, it's nice to be home and be able to do stuff here in Montreal, um, see a family, friends, and everything. So it's been good. I had a good uh, summer of uh, of working out and working on the ice and ready for the season to start now. How much does it weigh on you not, you know, waiting to find out where you're going to be for the next year because we're down late August um you know you want to have that kind of peace of mind going okay I'm going here I'm going to set up where I'm going to live and who my teammates are that whole thing now that that's in the review that's got to feel pretty good but what's that like kind of weighing on you throughout the summer yeah I mean it's you always want to kind of know where you're going to keep playing for the next season or so but I've been going through that process for the last few years so uh I have some experience with that but uh um, no, I was just, I was, you know, I'm turning 34 next, uh, in, in probably a month or so. So I, I, I was just looking for a team to, you know, have a chance to win the Stanley cup. And I felt like with everything they did this summer and, uh, the season they had, uh, the previous year, I think, uh, that that was kind of fitting what I was looking for. And, um, now it's just, uh, to kind of go to training camp. We, we got to build brick by brick, you know, there's going to be a lot of new faces with the team and. Um, yeah, and our, our division is pretty strong as well. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to get in. Uh, but I feel like on paper, we're, we have a pretty good team. Let, let me ask you, you know, you've been, like you mentioned, you're going to turn 34 coming up in September. Um, you've played for some really good coaches of late, too. I mean, you played for, for Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. You played for Barry Trotz on the island. And a Rick few Topic. coaches. <laughs> What's that? A few coaches. Yeah, but you could take something from all of them, and you got some good ones in there. Like playing for Barry Trotz, not bad, right? Playing for yeah. uh, Rick Tockett, who's you know we're yeah. real familiar with here. Uh, what do you kind of learn from all those different coaches? And now you're circling back to AV. Yeah, I mean everyone is different, and their approach and the way they send their message, and you know whatever it's running practices and you know the way they run everything uh, on the bench during the games and stuff and. There's a reason why those guys have been around for forever. And, you know, I, I really like Barry in Long Island, the, the job he did with uh, Washington in the past few, couple of years and winning the Stanley Cup there and going to Long Island now. And it's probably one of the best teams in the league. And But now coming back to AV, uh, we, had, we had some really good season in New York with the Rangers. Like we, uh, one year we led the, the league in points. We lost in the Stanley Cup final. The other one we lost in the conference final. Uh, he's, he's, I, I know what to expect from him, and I think I was—I I felt pretty comfortable, you know, coming in here and with the Flyers and knowing AV and knowing uh, 
you know, the, the rest of the coaching staff as well. I think it's, it's kind of helped my decision. Uh, some familiar faces here too. You played with Kevin Hayes in New York. You played, uh, you know, you know a, a lot of the guys on this team as well. A big, large French contingent uh, here in Philadelphia as well. Uh, does that go into any factor of feeling comfortable uh, making the next stop? Uh, I like, uh, you know, knowing Cam uh, Atkinson and probably one of my best friends, and the same for Nate Thompson, and you know, playing with against Claude like and Junior, and playing against him. Uh, for many years now and Couturier is the same thing and uh uh yeah it's just a you know I feel like the years that we had the best teams in New York we were pretty tight and we had a lot of fun and I feel like our room like the personalities of, of the guys that I know um with the Flyers I think uh, you know our room's gonna be awesome and when you have fun and everything you're that's all I think that you know you're winning more games and you're not you're not you're not going those bad stretches and stuff and uh, but yeah, just playing with Kevin again and with Keith and, you know, it's going to be awesome. You never know. Like that's, that's something like I've, I've been playing, uh, you know, I've been going around like from team to team the last few years, but you never know Like you create friendship, but you never know when you're going to go back to those guys. And now it's like crazy. Like I'm, we're going to play with each other again. And we're pretty excited about that. You mentioned that bond. You played with Cam earlier in your career in Columbus and then, you know, with with Kevin Hayes and, and Keith Yandel around, if you don't want to say anything, you don't have to because those guys will fill the air, right? Plus, I imagine it's always a riot in the room, practice days, on the ice, and on the bench during games. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> just just Keith in general. Keith's a character. He's he's pretty funny. He was probably one of the funniest guys I've played with. So I I you know I'm pretty sure that all the all the guys on the team they're gonna like that guy a lot. He's uh, he's he's something else and. The same thing for Cam. Cam is I'm known I'm known for many years. He's, I think he's one of the most underrated flyers in the league. Uh, I was telling my buddies like yesterday. He played in Columbus for like 10, 10 years. Like he had two forty goal season. He's he's sneaky good and he's he's like, he likes to compete and he's he's always there in big games. So I think the Flyers fans are gonna really like him. And it's, it's, it's the same for Nate Thompson coming back. You know the guy's been playing forever. He just He's a good teammate. He's a hard and soul guy. Uh, we, I think, they added like some really good players this summer. Yeah, I always talk about guys like Nate Thompson. I say they just play the game honestly. They, like it's an honest. They play the game in a very honest way. Um, let me ask you about looking at the team and deciding. Uh, I'm sure you had other options around the league. Why Philadelphia? Because of all those reasons. Uh, yeah, I, I like the market. I uh, I just said on the, the other Zoom, like, I remember my games, Rangers, Flyers in the playoffs. And I was like, we did like a, a few buildings before the Pittsburgh, Washington. It's pretty, it's pretty loud and everything, but there's nothing, there's nothing like the games in the playoffs in Philly. The first few games, I was like, holy, like, it's going to be a long one and whatever. And there's like fights in the stands and everything. And they're pretty passionate. And that's, that's what I was looking for, you know, like, Turning 34, I'm so I'm so excited to join the Flyers, like just to wear their jerseys and stuff. Like I never thought I would be wearing the jersey one day, but now I'm like I'm all into to help this team. Doesn't matter what my role is going to be, I'm just going to try my hardest. Hopefully, we can do something good this year. You know, it's funny because you you've played against the Flyers a ton. You played all those years in Columbus. You played those years in New York. You played a couple years in Pittsburgh. Uh, you played with the Islanders, so many division opponents. And, and it is weird because, you know, like you come into this building and there is an intimidation factor to the, just the city and everything else. And then for you, that first time walking out in a Flyers jersey is going to be pretty cool, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Was, that's what, like, some of my buddies here, they're like, it's like, that's probably one of the best jerseys in the league. Like, all, all my buddies here in Montreal are like, one of the sickest jersey uh, in sports or in the, in, in hockey. So it's going to be pretty, pretty special to be on the, on the other side. And, uh, I talked with Cam too, a little bit, like I think him and his, and his wife and his family, they, they I think they, uh, uh, he, they visit, uh, Philly and the practice rink and everything. And they only had good things to say about it. And same thing for Kevin, you know, he played for New York and New York, the Rangers, he set the bar pretty high for everything. And he's like, fly the flyers are just like, it's equal. It's the same thing. It's, it's first class and everything, so it's going to be great. Like, you know, watching football, too, this year, watching the Eagles and stuff. I have my fantasy draft next week. It's going to be awesome to 
And even I don't know if the Phillies are making playoffs too, but it's such a good sports town. It's it's pretty exciting. You into watching the other sports and stuff like during the season, a way to you know decompress. Oh you know, yeah, 100%. maybe not just walking ho- watching hockey, but like hunkering down. If you guys got a Sunday off, you know, watching six or seven hours of football. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's uh, I'm looking forward to that and everything. And I'm sure we're gonna have a few bets around the guys around the room and everything. But like my point was just like Philly is such a good sports town. It's I love that little area with the baseball and the football and the hockey. Everything's yeah. so close by. And um, I don't know what's gonna happen with COVID and everything. Hopefully, the fans, all the fans, are gonna be back for Game One, or whatever. But uh, that would be awesome. Uh, the best way to endear yourself to the Philly sports fans is just saying the Cowboys suck. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like the the quickest route to love in this town. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah everybody just hates the Cowboys, but that's part of the deal as well. And, and you'll have fun going to those games. Like you've been to the sports complex playing down there. It is it is a cool area. Uh, how's your training been this summer? Training's been good. It's been almost like three months now. Uh, been working on the ice with us with a skill coach and uh you know working on skating working on the shot like working on stuff it's it's been it's been a good summer and now i'm like there's always a a point in the summer you're like okay let's get going here that's that's just play and everything you know those summer skates are not like they're not real games or whatever like uh but yeah I'm, I'm at the point right now i'm just i'm looking forward to just play and coming in training camp and meeting my new teammates and stuff and get going here uh, one of the things, as you get older, and you've been in the league a while now, you played 905 <laughs> games, you, you played a lot of playoff games, 100-plus playoff games as well. You learn how to, in the offseason, work harder or work smarter, not necessarily just harder. Yeah. How's that process gone for you? you yeah. Know, going, I don't need to put on muscle anymore. I, I just need to get more explosive, or these are the things I want yeah. to work on. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's really well said. Uh yeah, kind of over the years, like I had a few surgeries, uh, so I always take care of my bodies, whatever it's treatment or uh, just done massages. But like I go to I go to treatment twice a week uh, in the summers and during a season, it's even more. It's you always have to, to do stuff, whatever it's at home or in the gym. And it's going to be the same thing this season because it's it's a, it's a long season, 82 games, playoffs and everything. At one point, I think I, I played so many games in the playoffs, I, I kind of hit a wall. Uh, I can't remember what season it was, but like I played like Santa Cup final, conference final, conference final. At one point, you don't have a summer, you know, you don't have time to recover. And that's that's where like it's pretty impressive for Tampa. They go back to back because it's so long and everything. Such I know last grind. season we played such a grind, but yeah, it's just now I'm just I have my trainer here. I, I know what works for me and my body and everything. And uh, that the stuff like, I've been doing like the skill stuff and you know when i was younger on the league we didn't have that much like skill coach or you know like working on like hedges and stuff and now like all the young kids are like i'm in i'm in the group of like 15 year olds and they're doing it better as me and you know like they're just they're, they started so young and everything but i wish i wish i kind of started a little you know sooner in my career um it's so important to work on stuff it doesn't matter how old you are you can always improve and everything, and that's when it kind of makes me realize now. And uh, yeah, it's just it's been a it's been a good summer. I'm I'm ready to go now. Hey, you've had some deep playoff runs. Like those two years, I think you're talking about are the, the 2014, 13, 14 season where you go to the final, and then 14, 15. You played 23 games the one year, 19 the next in the playoff. I mean, you're looking at 42 playoff games in, in two successive seasons there. And then I mean, you've gone on a 19 game run when you went to that conference final with Ottawa. Uh, you lost to Pittsburgh in that game seven and uh, in overtime. Then you go and you join the Penguins. You go for a run there. I mean, you've seen a lot of playoff hockey. What's the difference between playoff hockey, in, in your estimation, Derek, and, and regular season hockey? I, I know every yeah. inch of the ice is contested in the playoffs, and maybe it's not so much as, as you know that being normal in the regular season. Yeah, well, you know, you, you just said like it was four years. So basically it's almost like a full season extra that I played and I kind of yeah. hit the wall a little bit. Like I was kind of tired and everything. And I had to get my shoulder done one more time uh, in one of those. So I, I had like rehab all summer long. Uh, but yeah, playoff hockey, it's all about who wants it more. And um, that's why, like, you know, sometimes like, you know, like the, you're, you're always going to see some guys with like, you know, the character players having like great playoffs and stuff. But 
Yeah, I, once you get in, it's like everyone has a shot to win. We saw it with Montreal last year. Like no one, no one is picking them even against Toronto in round one. But they they peak at the right time, and I feel like it's just a matter of timing with everything. You know, whatever it's your your goaltending, your 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 five on five game, uh, your top players being your top players, uh, just everything has to be perfect, and you know. Hopefully we got we are, we're gonna have some good timing this year with what all that stuff. You got to stay healthy and uh, it's it's such a it's such a, a long season. It's such a hard league. Uh, once you have a chance to go to conference final and the final, you got, you got to find a way to win it because you don't even know next year if you're gonna be in or just winning one series is hard. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a grind. It's uh, like Tampa this year. I was watching. I was, I was telling my buddies, like, you don't realize how tired those guys are. Like, Vegas and Montreal, they had to fly four or five hours after games. And their recovery day was the, the flying part of it, like, five five hours. Like, time change and everything. And they had to play another playoff game. You go to bed late because you're still wired and everything, so... You gotta, you gotta take care of your summer. You gotta be, you gotta be in shape. You gotta, you gotta be, stay on top of it during the season as well, so... You go in the playoffs, you're full of energy yeah that's one advantage playing here in the northeast carter that you played in new york the, the travel's not nearly as bad as it is in arizona right even though last yeah. year was just divisional yeah. play for you but uh, last thing for you uh, over over your years you've played with some elite elite level players you, you play with crosby in pittsburgh you, you play with nathan mckinnon in colorado then in florida you're with barkoff and ekblad and some great players some really good players in New York and Arizona. What's the common trait of the great players in this league? Because you've played with, shared the ice with a lot of them. And Claude Giroux a guy over the last decade yeah. since 2012, fourth most in the league in points. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I, I feel like it's all guys that, you know, that loves the game and they don't they don't have a night off. That's, that's for me, like an elite player like the Crosby's and, G and you know McKinnon, all those guys. I didn't play with McDavid, but like, um, yeah, it's just the, the guys that they don't take a night off, and they're like, G's probably one of the best uh, competitor out there. I I play against him in the queue. He was like that. He won in the queue. He was a captain of the team. He was an invite player. The, all the OHL kind of passed on him. I remember one skate. I, I was 17. I was already drafted in Drummondville. We were skating in Ottawa. And Claude was we were doing a scrimmage, and he was he was on the ice with a Canadian jersey, Montreal Canadian jersey, Saku Koivu with a captaincy. And after like 15 minutes, he was like kind of like he was he was good. Obviously, he was just like going around. And I remember we're all like kind of drafted in the in the queue, and we're like, who is this guy? Like, why is he wearing <laughs> like, a Habs jersey? His name is like Claude Giroux. He's going to he's going to play against you guys next year in Gatineau. So we were just like, oh, shit. he's like, he's pretty good. Next year after like 100 points. Yeah. He got passed on in the OHL. And after, yeah, basically I played against him there. I played against him in the, in the NHL. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a gamer. All those guys are gamers and they work on their games all the time. They love to practice too, don't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's like the, the thing like with all great players like they love to practice like it's almost narcissistic but they love to practice this. yeah because the expectation for themselves are so high because it's mm-hmm. so hard to, to do it years after years that's that's what impressed me the most with those guys is they do it every year like imagine you had to score like 80 points point per game every year you gotta like you gotta work on your game all the time you gotta keep improving and so your your mind is right and those guys have been doing it like they're elite, like elite, elite, elite players in the league. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and Claude playing for Gatineau, for, uh, the Gatineau Olympique, formerly the Hull Olympique, where you're from. Hey, Derek, uh, congrats on the deal here in Philadelphia. Everybody cannot wait for the season to start. Uh, like you said earlier in the interview, um, you're chomping at the bit. Let's just get this thing going already. But uh, you'll be here in Philly soon. Training camps around the corner, and uh, we're not that far from the season. So thanks for doing this, and uh, best of luck Rob. this year. We'll talk again. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks to Derek Broussard for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We appreciate the time, and we'll see him in training camp soon enough as the Flyers will begin preparations for the 21-22 season. Joining us right now, though, to break down development camp, which is 
still going on. Three-on-three game this afternoon. I'll be there, 2.30 to 4.30 at the Flyers Skate Zone. We'll tweet out some uh, developments at Jason Mert on Twitter. Uh, But joining us right now to give his thoughts on what's taken place so far in development camp and a few other items as well, from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are we doing? I'm doing great. You know, uh, players are are back on the ice, and uh, we're getting, getting ready for camp, so it's all good. Yeah, you start to see some uh, other guys and, and veteran players in town doing some skates as well. I know that uh, Ryan Ellis and Sam Moran were on the ice together. So that's great to see. Yeah, and, and it's also, you know, you also have the guys who still live in this area. And uh, you know, for, for a lot of years, uh, late late in summertime, Justin Williams, you, you find him in, you know, around Voorhees. And I know Shane Gosses Bear is there this year, too. So it's, you know, it's just it's, it's that time of year. It's an exciting time. Yeah, if you couldn't find Willie on the golf course and doing very well on the golf course, I know he was a club champ at uh, White Marsh uh, for a couple of years, and he married a girl from this area, so he's still pretty well connected here as well. But, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, with players back on the ice, that's kind of the signal like, okay, people are really getting ready now. They've been on the ice for a while, a lot of these guys, and preparations and all the physical preparations have been underway, but now it's just around the corner. And we have to assume at this point, I would think, Bill, that all the business of the offseason is in the rearview mirror. Now we're development camp time and counting down the days of training camp. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, there's not really, not just the Flyers. I mean, most of the NHL, there's really not much maneuverability left at this point anyway. So, you know, elsewhere in the league, you might be hearing about some training camp invite guys. I mean, the Flyers took care of some business by getting in a guy like Broussard on a, on a minimal contract. So uh, I think the Flyers are pretty much done in, in terms of offseason moves and uh, get into training camp, get the roster battles going, and, and go from there. Yeah, w- one of the things that's interesting is Tomas Hurdle apparently is available from San Jose. And I looked at him, I go, oh, man, would that be a good 3C? Yeah, yes, it would. <laughs> but, but you're out of space at this point. <laughs> exactly. That, that's not even – unless you're unless you're trading for you – know, unless you're creating cap space, that's not even on the radar right now. So. Yeah, I mean, I look at a team like San Jose, they're rebuilding. You could pick some prospects and uh, use organizational equity that we've talked about so many times and maybe try and get a player like that. But uh, like you said, they, they are tight against it right now. We'll see if they just you know, have a move up their sleeve just to free up some space heading into the season. It is development camp time. And one of the, one of the bummers about last summer, Bill, well, we were leading into the bubble. And at this time last year, we were in the bubble. But um, you didn't have development camp, rookie camp, those kind of things, the trial at the aisle. I, I like those things. I like the flow of an offseason heading in normal and, you know, getting a look at the young players and their development and the side-by-side comparison of last year to this year and seeing the jump that they make. Uh, development camp's underway. It's it's an important thing to have development camp. Oh, certainly. You know, it, it's great for the, the players that are on hand. And this year particularly because, you know, because ordinarily development camp uh, is at the end of June, beginning of July. And it's actually something that, uh, uh, Mike O'Connell touched on today when he had his media availability, but ordinarily the camp is the beginning of the summer. So the players are kind of getting some, some homework to, you know, things, things they can work on over the rest of the summer and incorporating the repertoire. Now with training camps in the season, really right around the corner, you know, the, the emphasis has shifted to getting players ready to come into camp. So this had, this, this year is almost a little bit like more like a rookie camp kind of a feel just because of the, just because of the timing. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, I mean, one thing, one thing that stands out because they have a healthy group of players, unlike last season, you know, because the, uh, the prospect pool last year was decimated by injuries. They have a health, they have largely a healthy group this year. So it's uh, you can really, you can really look and see the, the amount of depth that's in the organization. And, you know, in terms of guys that are, maybe ready to compete soon for NHL jobs, some guys who have some NHL experience and some guys who may be a couple of years away, but are, are guys certainly worth watching. Yeah. And you can kind of get a, start to develop an arc. And some, sometimes you can have a huge jump in one year where you didn't have that kind of jump in the prior years, especially when you're talking about, you know, kids that are drafted, draft eligible, 18 years old, when they hit 20, that could be a, a huge year for them physically and, and all of those things. And, and the game can click to a different level. Let, let's talk about a few of the observations. I know you've been putting out the articles and observations from development camp. Is there any particular, you know, a forward player that really jumped out at you and, you know, you look at it and go, Hmm, that was a nice jump in a, in development. And I maybe wasn't expecting that much. 
Well, I, I would say that, uh, you know, you can look at a guy, I'll, I'll go a little, a little off the radar. He's a little bit older. Isaac Radcliffe is finally healthy again. Uh, you know, yeah, you have to toss out Radcliffe's entire season last year. Yeah. He had, the, he had the collapsed lung. He had the broken ribs. He had multiple surgeries. He wasn't even close to feeling like himself again until late in the season. Then he hurt his ankle. So, you know, that you just, you just toss out that whole year. And, I mean, he hasn't really developed offensively to the expectations or hopes that you had when he scored 50 his last year of junior hockey coming out. You know, now he, this, this offseason he's added 10 pounds of muscle. He's coming in at 225, healthy. Um, feels like his offensive game is coming back. He, he talked about that today, that uh, he's regained a lot of the offensive confidence he had before. You know, new regime in, uh, in, in Lehigh Valley. So he'll get a fresh start with uh, Ian LaPerriere. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll move up in the lineup. He had been, he'd been really um, playing a, a fourth-line penalty-killing role the last couple of years. So, this, you know, just as a guy from where he – his standpoint was at the end of the year to going into camp this year, uh, I would say he, he's a guy you don't want to write off. And uh, yeah, then you have guys in camp, you know, like the first-timers, like the uh, Samu Tomalas, who were just drafted this year. And uh, just, just the levels, just the skill set, the hands, the feet. You know, you have to, you have to keep in mind that there's, there's a whole player there. there there's off-puck development. There's, you know, there's the uh, defensive game. There's the conditioning and strength side of it. And then there's the off-ice adjustments, too. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of these players coming over, that, that's a big part of it, um, particularly for the Europeans, but also for guys yeah. who are coming from, you know, what your day-to-day routine. I remember Carter Hart talked about that, where now you're, you know, you're not living with a billet family anymore. You're going to come over, you're going to live in an apartment, you have, you have rent to pay, utilities, it's, you know, you got to get to feed yourself. It's laundry. Like, yeah, laundry. It's all, all these things you never, you know, you never really had to deal with before. And uh, that, that's all part of your reality of coming over. So, I mean, uh, for a lot of these players, it, it's an eye-opening experience. And that's, that's really why a lot of times the guys who've been through some of these camps, uh, uh, a Morgan Frost kind of guy who's been really, you know, the, he's been in every development that they've had since 2017 when he was drafted. And uh, he, he's, he's physically and mentally and emotionally a, a different young man than he was back then. So a lot of, you know, a lot of these guys really, you know, you see you see them grow and mature from from year to year, physically, emotionally, and in terms of their game. So it's you know it's almost a, a checkpoint from year to year as to the which guys are, are how far along. Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning. You know, you you've been there a couple of years. You've done that multiple seasons heading in in the summers for a guy like Morgan. And there's a familiarity in your surroundings, in the rink. You know where everything's at. You know where you're going. You know where the bathroom is. You know where the showers are. The stick room. The way you know you know you know all those things because you've had, you know, experience there before, and you've gone through the paces of it as well. Um, is there any difference in kind of the on ice pace to what they're doing and and the stuff they're working on on the ice uh, this year with it being a little bit later? Yeah, you know, like some some years in development camp, they'll do you know, like a, a skating agil- agility drill where they're on one foot and they're hopping over a stick or something like that. You don't really see Hot that. foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you don't really see that this the, in this kind of camp. Really, this time it's really meat and potatoes. It's not, it's not what you'll see in rookie camp and main camp where they're doing systems, but it's really just making, you know, it's really just about making sure players are in condition. You know, there's a little bit more battle drills than you would see in a typical year. For one thing, because players are in late summer shape. Yeah. You know, if you're you're pushing players into that situation in late June, even young players, you're you're asking for for some injuries. You know, it's uh, so it's uh, you know, it ha- it has more of a it has more of a September camp kind of feel to it, and also you know, also some of the I mean, players compete anyway because that's how they're wired, but I, I think that the compete level is higher than you would typically see in a in a development camp and. You know, Campbell will end tomorrow with a three-on-three tournament, which is always a great way to end it and see who see who stands out in that. I mean, it's not uh, it's not the be-all and end-all, but it's it's really fun to see who who steps up in that. I mean, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, uh, Ollie Leakstall, who's not at this camp because he's he's uh, although he was signed by the Flyers recently, 
Uh, he's spending one more year in Sweden before he comes over. But he, I think he had, uh, I think, five goals in the, the three-on-three tournament. You know, uh, I mean, it, it's a way, particularly for some of the guys who, who maybe are in his household, household names to, to stand out on, on that day, to leave a, a strong impression to finish camp. So that's always fun. Yeah, and the three-on-three is fun for the forwards and the skaters because there's tons of ice. There's a lot of creativity. There's not a lot of defensive re- responsibility it's rush up rush that rush back get off you know and for the goalies it's not a tremendous amount of fun but you know it's interesting too yeah i I always got to stick up for the goalies because you you know you get those two on o's and two three on o's and you're you're expected to make saves but and the goals against average never looks good in a three on three game but you know the thing is too and, and coaches have a way a sneaky way of conditioning athletes when they don't know they're being conditioned and battle drills and, you know, flow drills and those things, it's not just about putting the pucks in the bag and having a bag skate. You can condition guys just by the way you design a practice. And I'm sure that they're doing that as well. Absolutely. I mean, every every drill is designed with purpose. It's become also something that uh, they, they do they do up and down the, the system now when they, they do these. Um, they don't like a lot of standing around in between drills. And that's something you would have during the season where you're, you're moving quickly from one drill to the next. So they're, so the, they're told beforehand, we're going to do these drills and these sequence, and this is why yep. we're doing. And that's, uh, that definitely helps pick up the, pick up the flow and pace. That will be something that will be expected in just a few weeks. Yeah, that's exactly right too. I mean, guys, if we're going to be on the ice, let's maximize our time. We don't need to be out here all day, but let's maximize every inch of this ice and, and every minute that we're out here. And by doing that, they, I've noticed that with AV's practices, they're just incredibly tight. It's like, a, it's like going to see a really good band of musicians that are really tight together. As soon as the drill's over, the assistants are pushing the pucks where they need to go, setups underway, water, right back at it. And no standing around. You got a one versus one to one ratio or one to two ratio on, you know, reps in the drills. Get in line. Wait one more turn. You're back going again. It's great. It, it's the, I'm a firm believer in that. And that's preparation 101. And again, you're conditioning the guys without even really them knowing you're conditioning them. Uh, let me ask you about the goaltenders. Uh, you know, this camp is interesting because uh, the, some of these goalies, we really have not gotten to see a whole heck of a lot of late. Uh, some guys dealing with injuries. Ustamenko is one of those guys. W- what have we seen out of the netminders? Well, I, I think it's really interesting with Samuel Urson coming over, you know, first year pro out, out of Sweden. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a very technically sound goalie. Uh, the, I guess the, the natural tendency is to compare him to Felix Sandstrom because not just because they're both fellow Swedes, but because they came out of the same system in Sweden, the same team. And, uh, you know, took the same kind of similar development path coming over here. Um, I, I would say that uh, I would say that Sandstrom is a little better, better athlete, a little more spectacular. Urson Urson is a little more subtle, but he's uh, you know Urson was saying today that he worked significantly in the last year about uh, economy of motion, so eliminating uh, you know unnecessary movement within his crease, and that that really paid dividends for him on a, on a pretty weak team a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a guy who, uh, for a guy who's coming over and playing the small rink game for the first time, the feedback on, on how he's looked so far has been been pretty strong. And as with, you know, for Ustamenko, who's healthy now, coming off of a coming off of a hip injury, I mean, there, there's competition there. He's, uh, you know, he he's a guy who has a really high compete level. So he, so you know, he's he's really good on on making that second and third save, battling for pucks. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes he'll still commit a little early, get himself a little out of position, which is all, I mean, it's all par for the course with the young goalies. I'm really interested to see how, how the playing time situation Lehigh Valley is going to work out this year because Sandstrom is the most experienced guy. You know, if they, if they carry two, is, it, is the other one going to be Urson or Ustamenko, or are they going to rotate with, uh, yeah. with those two sharing a little bit of time with, with uh, Redding and each thing a little bit of time with the Phantoms as well, which, which may be the way that they end up going. But I mean, this year, you, this year you only have the two goalies in camp where some years you've had as many as five or six. So there's a lot, there's a whole lot of individual time with uh, Brady Robinson and uh, you know, and eventually with with Kim Dillabaugh out there too during, during camp. So these guys are getting some, some intensive coaching that you might not ordinarily see during a, during a development camp, just because they're, they're the two guys. 
And that's really important. And that's what you can point to with Ursan and the, the, the economy of his movements to, to eliminate all that unnecessary movements and streamline all that because you waste energy carrying, you know, if, if you're not economical in your movements and, and at the NHL level with all the East West plays, you got to get there, get there and get square, beat this, beat the play on your skates. And that's great news that, you know, he's developing those habits right now, very young. And uh, we'll see how that plays out because but I know you pointed out on Twitter, I responded to it, you know, jumping from the AHL and the ECHL is it, there's a pronounced difference and it doesn't have to do with how the guys shoot. It has to do with environment, something I preach all the time. And in the coast, there's just a lack of structure as they're compared to the pro game at the AHL level. And then the next step, obviously, the NHL. And that can be a little bit more difficult for a goaltender uh, going back and forth. And, and maybe you go, oh, he's going back to the coast. He should dominate. It's not that simple. Yeah. You know, when uh, when Scott Gordon was here, he, he, he emphasized that point that the mm-hmm. the ECHL, particularly because of the lack of defensive structure and the lack of the lack of two-way depth that you have. It's nothing yeah. you know, the difference between an, an ECHL guy and an AHL guy really it'll or, or an AHL guy and an NHL guy sometimes is not it's not their their raw skills in terms of passing and shooting and those kind of things. And there's some guys in the AHL who can really motor too. It's really it's really your all-around smarts the player and your ability to play within structure. Yep. And for for a goalie when when there's no structure around you, it makes life very, very difficult. So it can actually be, in, in some regards, it can actually be a little easier for a goalie at a, at a higher level just, just because you know what to expect around you. And the, the, there's, the, you know, there's the, the structure in front of you. You're, you're, you're more likely to see the shots. You, know, you don't have your mm-hmm. own defense screening you as often. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's less of a free-for-all. And, of course, the difference, the difference of course, being two between an NHL goalie and a guy at the lower levels is your ability to make the routine save routinely and just, uh, you know, your own, your own consistency from, from read to read, save to save and, you know, and, and handling the highs and lows mentally they become with the position too. I mean, it, it's really, that, that's why goalies take so long to develop typically because there's, there's so many, so many parts that have to be in order to be an NHL goalie. Yeah. You know, a reactionary position like goaltending predictability can be the huge difference. And we saw firsthand last year with a lack of a structure of an environment can do to any goalie. We saw it with Carter Hart and Brian Elliott last year, Alex Lyon at points as well. And you need to have that structure. It's so important. And, you know, the reason why players, you know, go to the NHL level as skaters or as goalies is the elite ability to read plays and read where the threats are and know, how to maximize their positioning on the ice to, to mitigate those. That's, uh, I mean, those, all those adjustments though, that's really, you know, there's the preparation side, there's the adjustment side and uh, being able to, being able to adapt to that is really, I mean, that that's 95% of the challenge there too. There, you know, it's uh, such, such a huge part of the position. Yeah. And, and with guys like Ursan coming over and playing on the smaller ice, it's, I mean, I imagine just, I, I played on an Olympic rink in beer league and growing up obviously, but once in a while, and it messes with you bad, your spatial awareness. I can't imagine playing all my hockey through my whole life and then coming over at that level and having to face the best players in the world on a smaller surface. Sure. And I mean, that's why, and that's why European goalies typically play deep in their nets. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all, it's all about playing, playing the angles and scoring chances develop differently too, as you, you can attest having played on both side surfaces, you have yeah. to, you know, and on the, on the smaller surface, the scoring chances are going to develop more quickly. a lot of times mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the, the shots come at you harder and from, you know, from more prime angles, which is why you have to be out ready to challenge because if you're too far back in your net, then you're, you know, you're going to get beaten unless you're heading with Lundqvist. Then, you know, then all those rules go out the window. Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it is, it's just, you feel like you're in a cavern when you're on a, uh, on an Olympic sheet size of ice. Cause you look at the circles and they're the same size, but there's this huge gap from the edge of the circle to the boards. And you're like, or you look behind the net and you're like, they got so much room back there. So low to high plays or a different kind of threat. Cause you have more room to operate as a skater back there uh, than you would in the NHL game, coupled with the fact that because it's bigger guys aren't as physical and willing to ride guys uh, physically off like they like they do at the 
in the North American game. Uh, Bill, um, Mike O'Connell is a guy that uh, was brought in this offseason from the Kings organization. And, you know, great to have fresh eyes come in. I think that's so important for a guy to come in that doesn't have any ties to why these players were picked, what they were when they were first picked, what they are now. Uh, but he comes in from a very successful organization with the Los Angeles Kings. He's now a senior advisor to the general manager and player development. I know he spoke yesterday. Uh, what's your impressions of Mike O'Connell? Oh, um, Mike was extremely impressive. we got to get you him know, on here. He, uh, he's been an NHL general manager. You know, he's been a, he's been a uh, development program um, supervisor. So he, he knows of what he speaks. He's got a, he's got decades of experience in the game at, at, from various standpoints. And uh, yeah, it was really, it was really refreshing hearing, uh, hearing his observations about camp as a whole and about particular players, because he brings a, a very deep knowledge base. Um, you know, as you said, he, he's speaking from uh, a neutral point of view in terms of he, he's not the guy who drafted any of these players, even though he's there for the draft this year, he was in an observer's standpoint. And uh, he certainly, he certainly knows the development process inside and out. So uh, here, hearing Mike talk about particular players and about the, uh, about the goals of camp and, and just, uh, you know, just the outlook organization wide was really, you know, was really quite eye opening. And he, he, he brought forth a lot of a lot of tremendous information, I thought. Bill, we're going to hear from Mike O'Connell in just a minute. I'm going to play his media availability so everybody can hear it and hear exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but real quick, last thing for you. You know, this offseason, Chuck Fletcher made a lot of changes on the ice. We've talked about them. He's made a lot of changes off the ice. Guys like Mike O'Connell and, you know, promoting some guys within the organization in player development or scouting or whatever it is. But they really took a deep dive into every element of the organization and looked at it honestly and said, where can we be better? Where can we, you know, we're good, but we can be better. Where, where do we just need to be a whole lot better? and identifying the areas that, that can help the on-ice product and, and help the general manager and help the entire organization. As much as Chuck's done on the ice, he's done equally as much off it. Oh, 100%. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of the primary goals going into the season with the, with the Phantoms is going to be to align the Phantom system with uh, the system that they're going to play in the NHL. And... Uh, and there, there are different schools of thought on that. You know, if you can play in one system, you can you can adapt to another. Um, you know, uh, Scott Gordon, although he communicated a, a lot with Elaine Vigneault and is a highly respected coach, I mean, he had his own system. Yep. And it, it was, you know, we had the system that he played with the Flyers and, he, and he worked on getting players ready to, to play for Elaine Vigneault. But still, you know, Gordo had his particular system. And AV has his, and, and players had a little bit of adjustment. They're really, really one of the primary goals this season is going to be to align what the Phantoms do with what the Flyers do so that the, uh, so it's kind of seamless when a, when a player comes up. They're, they're already familiar with what the expectations will be in, in pretty much every regard. Yeah, that, that way you come up and you're not going, okay, with the Phantoms, I'm running a 1-2-2. Two, two. Here I'm running a 2-1-2 two, two split in the offensive zone. We're both running a 1-2-2 two, two in the neutral zone. And, you know, you just want it to be congruent. It just makes sense, especially because we have no idea how many, how much they're going to be pulling players back and forth this year because oh, of yeah. COVID and because of an 82 game season in a condensed schedule. You just have no idea. For sure. And, and, you know, just knowing, just knowing, uh, you know, another team is, is trying to enter your zone. Whose responsibility is, 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 you know, covering in, in which spot go going to the right spot routinely and players make that adjustment. Yep. But if you're, but if you go in knowing it and particularly because as you said, they're going to be call-ups throughout the season and there's always the cap management side of it too. Sometimes players are going up and down for different reasons. You know, it's really as seamless as that can be is, is probably ideal in, in today's game. Let me ask you one. Okay. Well, I lied. One more question. Because last year we saw the debut, the NHL debut, Flyers debut, of I think, what, five players? Wade Allison, Tanner Lashinsky. We saw Zamula, Cam York. Um, and, and Sushko. Yeah. And that's all of them, right? There was five. Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, like Frost had already been up the year before. Yeah. So you, you had five guys make their debut last year. If I set the over-under at four and a half this year, 
for guys to make their NHL and Flyers debut this year. Would you take the over of that? Right now, I mean, if, if the team stays healthy, um, because, because York and Zabula have already you know, debuted, I, I would actually, I, this year I might take the under. Yeah. I mean, you have guys like Lena Sandin. I mean, you have a... Yeah. You have some some depth down there that, to pull from that has NHL experience, but you know, could a guy like Ratcliffe, for example, be a guy who makes his NHL debut this year? Potentially, yeah. I mean, he would he could work his way into the call up picture. I, I think he's a you know a long shot to make it off of opening night. It would take a tremendous camp, but over the course yeah. of over the course of the year, could you potentially see him work his way into the call picture? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating. All right, let's hear from uh, Bill. Thanks for doing this. Uh, let's hear from Mike O'Connell, the senior advisor to the general manager and player development. Here's his media availability from yesterday. Yeah, Mike, uh, this is probably the first time you had a chance to look at uh, Isaac Ratcliffe. Can you tell us your impressions of him? And the second question is, uh, is there anybody that has surprised you in, in camp? I know it's only been a few days, but anybody that's uh, opened your eyes and maybe shown you something you didn't expect? Um, well, uh, I'll get to Isaac first. Um, he's a big guy for, for sure. Um, and, uh, he seems like he's, again, I've, I'm just getting to know all these players for the first time and it takes a little, little while. We have so many players in, but, uh, enthusiastic, um, he's got a great range, uh, has an NHL body. Um, and, um, so far, what I've seen with this, we just have to, I think if we can really help define his game, what, what we feel is going to be best for him to make, to have the best impact on, on not only his career, but the success of the Flyers. I think uh, that's what we have to help him just identify his game. A lot of these players come up through junior ranks. They have success. They, uh, and, and, and the first three or four years, sometimes it takes, it takes a little time to understand What's what he can do? What part of his game is going to be a successful transition to the National Hockey League? So we'll be working on that with him. But uh, so far, so good with me. Extremely uh, uh, likable young man, um, and works hard. Uh, with regards to the um, who's impressive, uh, a lot of young impressive athletes here. Uh, again, uh, you know, just the. Just the, I, I guess I, I should say, for the most part, the attention to detail and how they follow directions has been outstanding. They're uh, very willing, um, and I really look forward to uh, working with them all and, and getting them to the, realize the dreams that they, they started back when they were young, young men, so young kids. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to digging in with these young men. Yeah, hi, Mike. Just a couple on uh, Cam York. And Igor Zamula, um, the guy said they were roommates. They've been roommates this week at camp. Was that done on purpose just because, you know, maybe the Flyers see them as a potential pair down the road, either in Philadelphia or, or this season in the American League? And uh, you want to start building that chemistry? I'm sure I missed the who's he rooming with. I'm sorry I missed that, the, the first part of that question. York and Zamula. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. <clears throat> uh, thank you. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not. Sometimes they just they maybe they're they're. Um, you know, they're comfortable together. They are, uh, they're both outstanding prospects, um, different games, each of them. Um, but they probably know each other from the last couple of years. And it's probably as familiarity was that, but, uh, uh, if we can build, uh, the chemistry off ice as well as on the ice for these guys, they both have successful careers ahead of them. It looks like, and, um, you know, if it, if that chemistry off ice relates to really good chemistry on ice or vice versa, I'm all, all for it. We, we, uh, these, these, both these players are important to us and uh, and uh, we have to make sure we do everything we can to make these the best players that we can for, for the Flyers. And, and you, Yeah. And you mentioned just in regard to those two guys, different Kyle, different styles of play, different games. What has stood out about each of them individually? And then maybe as you've seen them as a pair together. Well, but, uh, they're both uh, high IQ uh, players Um you know, they both see the ice very well, uh, different skill sets, of course, uh, uh, Igor's a, a, a much, you know, bigger player, uh, stature wise, uh, very smooth with the puck, uh, probably not as dynamic as cam is, uh, cam has got a, a smooth, both very smooth cam is a little bit more dynamic, uh, quicker hands, probably, uh, more of a compact player, of course but both extremely smart. Um, uh, one has length, one, one is, uh, doesn't have the length. 
but uh, I think that uh, Samula's length is going to really help him defending and uh, Cam's uh, foot speed and agility is getting in and out of those tight situations and being able to make the quick plays are, uh, are going to be very effective. So both are going to be, I think, have great capabilities of being extremely effective National Hockey League players on not only in the NHL, but on a winning team. Hi, Mike. Um, one of the players who's probably, you know, closest to maybe making that full-time jump to the NHL is Morgan Frost. He's got time in the NHL before. Obviously, he was in the NHL when he got hurt. Um, I'm curious to, to hear, you know, he's coming off the surgery. He's been been rehabbing. Do you see a lot of rust in his game, you know, coming off of, of the layoff? And uh, where do you think he stands at this camp in terms of, of, of health and just his all-around game? Um, I, I'm a little bit of a disadvantage. Uh, I really don't know Morgan th that well as a player. Uh, I've met him a few times uh, off ice and worked with him a little bit on the ice. So I'm just getting really familiar with his what his game is all about. I've had lengthy discussions with uh, with the development team as well as upper management about um, where this guy could end up. Um, very, very quick, very um, uh, sees the ice extremely well. Um, you know, he looks like he can, he's going to be a point producer to me, uh, whether he's rusty or not, I don't know. Again, I didn't, I did, I haven't been following his career, but, uh, I'm digging in a little bit with watching his games from last year and, and, uh, and watching his, uh, practice habits so far this year. And I like what I see. I think, uh, um, you know, he's a young player. Um, he has all the tools. And we just have to do what we can to get him in those situations where he can uh, show them off and, and help the team. But uh, uh, I, I wish I could give you a better answer on that. But unfortunately, I don't know him as well as yet. But give me give me a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll have a better answer for you back then, by then. Uh, yeah, this is more of a, a bigger picture question um, to you, Mike. Um, obviously, you spent a long time in the Los Angeles Kings organization. You know, what kind of drove your decision to uh, you know to move to Philadelphia? And I'm curious um, how much you know a role the the presence of Dean Lombardi played here. You know, the fact that he's in the organization, you have that long-standing relationship with him. Um, well, it's a good question. I, I think that the real, the real reason I moved, uh, made the move was I was extremely happy in Los Angeles and they, they're a great organization. We had some great success there, really enjoy the people I worked with out there, but it, you know, it, it, it came time for me to, you know, to make a decision on if I wanted to, to do my job correctly, I need to spend a certain amount of time in, um, <clears throat> in whether it be LA or Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I made a decision that uh, that I had to be a little closer to my family. I got a growing family. I got six grandkids that, uh, you know, as you know, in this business, I've been in this business for a long time. You've missed quite a bit. And I think it was my time to stop missing as much. So I made the decision to, uh, I told Los Angeles, I most likely wouldn't be coming back. And then Dean uh, reached out and uh, we've had a great run, myself and Dean. We, you know, we have similar backgrounds growing up in the, in the uh, Massachusetts, Boston area. And, um, and yeah, he, he played a, he played a, a role in this, uh, met with Chuck and, uh, really like what, what they have in place here. And, and, uh, it worked out and I'm extremely happy to be here, be part of the, uh, Flyers organization, you know, growing up in Boston, you know, when you tell people you're flying, you're going to move over to the Flyers, you know, they, there's a little bit of a grumble, you know, because of the, the rivalry, the intense rivalry, the Bruins and the Flyers have had over the years. But, uh, you know, a couple couple Flyers hats, a couple Flyers T-shirts is kind of uh, uh, ruined, uh, pushed that aside. And uh, my family's embraced it. And I'm really looking forward to getting uh, becoming a, uh, uh, an important part of the Flyers, uh, uh, you know, structure and hopefully help them win a cup, you know, down the road. Hi, Mike. I, I have two questions for you. Uh, first, just in, in general terms and, and with the camp, um, is there a little bit of a different emphasis in this year's development camp as opposed to a, a typical one, just based on the fact that normally it's the beginning of July, the end of June. So it's a lot of homework for players to work on the off season, whereas now it's right before camps. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's a good question. It's a, it's a, uh, there is a difference because, you know, we, we're getting right in. These guys are um, <clears throat> what two weeks away from starting the, starting the season. So, 
you know, we've, we backed off of the time, the time constraints or the time uh, period we're on this ice. We want to make sure that they're going in the season feel, feeling healthy. Whereas you said the development camps are usually held late July, uh, late June, usually, or early July, we get a hold of them. We can probably give them a little bit more, um, work, but you know, we're very cognizant. We want to make sure these players, we give these players as much as we can. We don't want to overdo it with them, but we want them coming into the season healthy. So they have a great showing, uh, at training camp and, um, uh, you know, and give them, especially the players who are assigned, give them the ability to, to, uh, make the teams they want, they, they want to or do the best they can in camp to have the best showing. So yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a different camp altogether. Uh, but in the also saying we want to make sure that we give our young players the recent draft picks who haven't been to these development camps. We want to make sure we give them the opportunity to understand what the Flyers are about, uh, how the development is going to work for them, um, and really what's important to be a Flyer. What you need to what you need to understand if you're going to play for the Philadelphia Flyers, you have to do you know this this and this, and uh, uh, to uh, to play. And so. A little bit of an education for the younger players, but also uh, as well as the the older players have been around. But there's a there's an emphasis of get these guys into proper shape physically, mentally, emotionally for the start of the training camp. And when you look at a, a young player that's drafted like uh, Toomla, for example, you know when, when you, you have a young player whose skating jumps out, the hands jump out. How important is it to keep in mind the, the overall game and the physical development and the mental side of it too that has to develop at a certain point? Um, it's it's extremely important. I mean, it, it, he is a he's a fun player to watch. You you pointed right out. We you know every time he gets on the ice, it's uh, um, it, it, he kind of brings me out of my seat watching this kid uh, go. Uh, very enthusiastic and and you know again we just we just want to educate him as much as 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 much as possible in his short period of time. Um, he's a, he's a, he's going to be a, a fun player to watch and fun player to develop. His language has increased and improved dramatically since he's been here. And, um, so, you know, it's hopefully we'll, we'll send him the right message when he leaves us. Um, and we'll get to spend a little bit of time, you know, with him, uh, over the course of this year and kind of watch him, uh, how he develops and help him develop. And, um, but we're looking forward to having this, this young man in the organization for a long time. Hi, Mike. Uh, if I could ask you about a player on the Flyers NHL roster, um, I believe you have some experience with Martin Jones. Uh, could you maybe just uh, tell us a little bit about him as, as a player and as a goalie? Sure. Um, yeah, Marty uh, and I basically, we, well, he started, I was, we were, uh, when I was in Los Angeles, but he started in, in, um, in Manchester where our minor league team was for many years. And so I worked, uh, you know, we had a goalie, actually Kim Delaba, our goalie coach, curly goalie coach here worked with him. And I, of course, uh, got to know Marty and, uh, and then Marty, you know, became a, uh, LA King. And we had a, from the relationship we built in development camps, <clears throat> um, you know, that relationship continued and, uh, uh, he had uh, some outstanding years uh, in uh, San Jose. We didn't get to see him as much because it was a trade, um, but outstanding hockey. I watched a lot of his hockey when he was in San Jose. <clears throat> Wasn't the greatest structure to play goalie for last year in San Jose. Um, so I think that the, the structure, the defensive structure of a team has a huge impact of how the, the goaltender's performance. I think um, when, when we signed him, uh, I was extremely happy for him. He's a, he's a outstanding teammate, outstanding person, understands the roles that uh, of a number one goalie. He understands the role of a number two goalie. And he also understands uh, uh, how, how to be a great teammate. Works hard in practice, dedicated himself to his profession. And uh, I, think he's a, I think he could be a big, big plus here for the Flyers. Yeah, hi, Mike. I know, obviously, you probably didn't get a chance to see Whit Allison very much, if at all, last season. But I'm curious what you've seen of him and what you've liked about him so far from what you've seen uh, at camp. First off, um, he's a he's a terrific, he's an enthusiastic kid, uh, very personable, um, uh, loves the game, and uh, right off the bat, uh, watching watching his first couple of workouts, it was really his shot that impressed me. Um, boy, he's got a he's got an incredible release, NHL shot, and. Um, those are my first impressions after watching him for a few, few times and just in some of the drills, 
you know, he has got some things that we can, I think we can really help him with. I think, uh, you know, experience will, will really help him, but he's, he's a hockey player. Um, looks the part, he looks in great shape. Um, and, um, you know, he just, we just have to make sure we put him in those situations, in the right situation and give him the necessary confidence as young players need, you know, comes, they come up, they come down and we got to make sure we fill in those, those, uh, those, those times when, um, you know, he might be, uh, confidence might lack or, um, or he, he might get too confident. Um, so, uh, I think he's a, uh, he's got a real good chance, um, to be a, an outstanding NHL player, get him to get use that shot, get him in the open spots, get him to, to, to understand, uh, where, um, where his spot is on the ice, where he's going to score his most, uh, looks like a scorer to me. And, uh, <clears throat> I'm excited about his future. Hey, Mike, uh, going back a little bit to your time in the Kings organization, as you said, you had a lot of success there and you kind of held a different uh, number of different hats while you were within the organization. I know it might be a lot to look back on, but were there kind of any takeaways you had um, from your time in that organization that you might bring over to the Flyers or are you kind of just right now learning the structures and everything and then you'll kind of take things as they go? Um, well, that's a good question. I think that, you know, as you, when you're, when you're, you're, job evolves over time I was there for 15 years and you know um I think when Dean first uh uh brought me in I think he had an had an idea what I was going to do but I don't think we really understood what what it might evolve into so we 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 did a lot of different things um but what I guess what I really did on really learn and really become to understand and I think which is extremely important in development is uh, development of young players is is really establishing those relationships with those young players to get them to uh, to get them to um, you know to buy in what you so you got to sell them you got to sell them what you're what you're what you're uh, what you're selling they got to buy it what you're selling I guess and um, and that that is really the the key understanding their game understanding where they are in their career understanding where their weaknesses and their strengths are and and really working on their uh, start with their strengths. And um, through positive and reinforcement, and uh, just just basically their relationship, and and so, so when it gets to those certain times when it's a difficult time for the, the players, they're going through a tough time either with the coach or in their career or with their their confidence is low. You know, they can rely on you to, to help them help you help pull you through, help pull them through, and and it just it continues like that. So really, that that's really the number one thing. And I think as you go forward, you, you know, uh, in any kind of career, you, you, you find a way to uh, realize that uh, every player is different. You know, the way you teach one player uh, is different from the way you approach another player. And, um, and so I think that just that experience that I've, that I've had uh, dealing with the, the number of uh, draft picks that came through or free agents that came through, um, I look forward to bringing that experience here to, to the Flyers and, um, and, you know, hopefully build those relationships, have some fun and, and win, win some games. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Just um, in regards to Allison, we talked to him the other day. He said he really felt refreshed mentally because he actually got to train because he had some injuries and he was doing rehab as well as training. Just in your experience with development, how much better can that make a player when he doesn't have that mental baggage of having to rehab an injury and not trusting his shoulder, his arm, his knee, his ankle, whatever? And how much can that benefit a player like Wade moving into the season as he's looking to learn and continue his development? Oh, it's a, it's an, it's a huge, huge to him come in, being healthy, feeling good, feeling fresh, not worried about uh, injuries, not worried about making sure he's got to, you know uh, you know, these, these young players today and any players, there's so much maintenance that goes into their game, even when they're healthy. And um, if we can eliminate that, the maintenance required when a player is injured, and just have him focus on his performance and have him, you know, basically take the rest needed, the, the rest he needs, and to be able to rest his body, to come to the rink fresh every day and focused and, and feeling healthy about it. As any, as all you know, you know, you, you come to, you go to work and you're, and you're banged up and you got to take care of that before you have to perform. It's an added, it's an added weight. Uh, you know, young player trying to prove himself in the best league in the world makes it even more difficult. So uh, having him fresh, having him in the right uh, frame of mind uh, physically uh, is only going to promote his mental health and his, his uh, confidence and to deal with all the little setbacks that are going to happen when, you, when you're playing the best, best league in the world or trying to play in the best league in the world. The mistakes you're going to make, how to get through them. 
and to remove that whole physical part of it, the whole injury part of it is, is, is huge, huge. Hey, Mike, this is more of a question for leading into the season. How important is it for the veteran guys, the older guys that are the, a little bit of a boost for getting ready for training camp rather than just being there for the younger guys and, you know, changing what they have visioned and how they've went through developmental camp. Is there a difference there between the veterans just pushing the younger guys or is it more of them to just be ready for camp when pushing for a roster spot? Uh, you broke up just a tiny bit. Is, was it the, the veteran players that we have in development camp? Is that what you, is that what you meant? Yeah, basically just on the yeah. lines of how they are getting into, you know, getting ready for the season versus them being mentors, to the younger guys that are just going into their first or second development camps. I, I think that, you know, they, again, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of dealing with hockey players all along. And no matter what team you've ever played on, most players have been a, a rookie at one time and a veteran at one time. And, um, and it just, it's just part of the playing the game. You know, you're, you're a first-year Bantam. Then you're a second year Bantam, you have first year Bantams coming in. There's a responsibility that they learn from the older guys to, to try to, you know, to help them through. And it's just a, it's a continuing process that you do from, from when you really start getting serious about the game. You're a rookie, you're, a, you're a, maybe a veteran for one year or two years, then you move on. Then you go to high school or you go to college or whatever. And that's, and that's no different than right now in the development camp. You know, these players, some players have been here for three or four years. They understand what these young kids are going through, and they and they basically, uh, you know, what from what I see so far, they've been outstanding. They they lead the drills, they uh, they want to you know do it the drills correctly, you know they 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 clean up after themselves. They're you know they keep the um, they they show an, uh, the utmost respect for the trainers, and that just that just happens perpetually. And and we you know we as an organization as we as in development we have to help self that tone as well to make sure that there's a healthy respect for the people who help them get better uh the people who run the facility and um you know and and the coaches as well as um the trainers and everyone so uh it's 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 a good question but i think it just happens organically and uh the fact that there's hockey players and have been through it all along but um um, they've, they've been great. The older players have been great as expected. Good to hear from Mike O'Connell in this episode. Good to hear from Bill Meltzer and good to hear from Derek Broussard. That is a well-fed meal right there. Three guests, one episode. We're ramping towards the regular season. Everybody, thanks for listening. Leave us a rating and review if you can. That'll help other hockey fans and Flyer fans find this podcast. We appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you on Friday's Flyers Daily.